Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your almost weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle to people that make it and occasionally ourselves. Uh, my name is Kamal Foster. I do all kinds of fantastic We are recording this on the night of October 10th, 2018. I am delighted to be with you today. I'm joined by really, really high quality people. Only the best people, in fact. Matt Welch, editor at Large Reason Magazine, however, is not here. Which thank God. It's unfortunate. No, I mean, seriously, it's not. But like, Michael no. Moynihan is here. <laughs> Michael, be Michael Moynihan, yeah. who does various things on HBO uh, Vice News Tonight program. He, mm-hmm. he's, he's very good at various things. Um, he's also real. denigrating Matt Welch. Um, we also have a very good friend, Anthony Fisher, in the building, oh, who hi, hi. has maybe some sort of new title and new affiliation. Is that true, Fisher? Yes, it is. I'm, I'm still a senior editor of the week, which uh-huh. you would never have remembered anyway. No, I mean, I knew that. Yes. But, but I didn't uh, need to say, I don't need to know that anymore. That's why the, That's why it couldn't stick in my head. Yeah, but yeah. maybe maybe the new one you will. In, uh-huh. in, in a few weeks, I will be starting at Business Insider as their politics editor. This oh. was just announced today, oh. so Good. I guess it's real. Good. I thought he was going to say that he's now finally on the sex offender registry in Staten Island. <laughs> I, you I, know, mean, uh, I can't <laughs> set foot in Stapleton <laughs> again. I have been but, uh, yeah. calling and calling. <laughs> yeah, we got somebody else here, though. Yeah, we, we do, don't forget, yeah. Don't we forget. do in fact, have someone else here. Yeah. Steven Seagal. Yeah. Actor in various no, that's and not newly true. a Russian citizen. That's not true. That's right. He's a Russian citizen he is now. A Russian citizen. Yeah. Now, Harry, could you pronounce your last name for me? What? And every time I have you what or your brother you? come in, I actually ask you guys to do that for me. Siegel. Siegel. <laughs> Siegel. Like Beanie Siegel, actually. Yeah. Right. And you know who Beans is. Yeah. Of course. You yeah. Do. Damn right. It's always Siegel. Seagal is the only weirdo that pronounces it like that. I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm. I'm. I just want to be mystified. Sure. I just want to be sure. This. This difficult. I want it's to be like sure. It's not like Anna Skyvers. People sure have preferences, damn it, and I want to yeah. be sure. And Harry, you are at the Daily Beast. You're an editor at the Daily Beast. I believe he's editing right now. Actually. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> or are you taking Are you taking notes on the things I'm saying? I imagine it's you're little, not. It's a little transition from Steven Seagal. My councilman is Mateo <laughs> Eugene, uh-huh. right, who's a, a dude who doesn't really do anything, but he looks like Patrick Ewing. And Patrick Ewing was short, and, uh-huh. and he wins. Uh-huh. Um, oh. And anyways, the <laughs> only interesting thing about him, he's, he's weak, uh-huh. is that, that he insists he was like dear old friends with Jean-Claude Van Damme and it's in like his, his page and so on there's no Steven Seagal don't get me wrong uh-huh. <laughs> but I just thought people would want to know that if you had to choose between being friends with Jean-Claude Van Damme or Steven Seagal who would you choose I mean is there really I mean probably debate? Van Damme for me JCVD but I mean I, I imagine that what Steven is Seagal's probably <laughs> but Steven Seagal's probably more fun I'm sorry I'm sorry uh, the muscles from Brussels uh, is not friends with any sort of authoritarian leaders. In <laughs> I remember once there was a, a Stephen uh, Jean Claude Van Damme movie, in which he has like a twin. It's like Double Trouble or Super oh, Twin. Yeah. His twin. Yeah. is Dennis Rodman, and it's an Andy fucking Warhol movie. What? Because <laughs> what it's a regular, straight, bad... Double impact. Double impact. Double impact, bad, that's bad right. Bad action movie, right, yeah. that goes through, like, regular bad action movie moments. But then Dennis Rodman's in it, who is as good an actor as I am. I mean, he's probably <laughs> better than he was a basketball player. So, so, so there's, like, this action movie happening, and then Stop Dennis it. Rodman just turns and looks straight at the camera and is like, you missed your free throw. <laughs> and then the movie resumes, and it just keeps wow. going on That's like that. It, it, it's actually glorious. Yeah. I, you need I, those moments. It, 
It's the only thing I remember was that there's a moment in the movie, and it's a really tremendous movie. You should, you should see this. It's sort of like <laughs> Criterion Collection worthy. And there's a moment where in some bad uh, trick of uh, sort of mirrors, they meet each other, the, the two the two Jean-Claude Van Dams, and the guy says, oh, it's a woman or something. He says, I thought that was you. I thought that was you, but you were this guy, et cetera. And I just remember, <laughs> I don't know if I remember, this is like 15 years ago. I just remember Jean-Claude Van Damme delivering the line, what would I be doing wearing black silk underwears? Because the other one was wearing silk boxers. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Double Van Damme. From 1991. Right. Is it 91? So yeah. that would that would make sense. That's over 25 years. But this ago. was this wow. was right around the time when both he and Seagal were cranking out a movie a year. Yeah. You know what? And they were still very profitable to through, through the mid 90s. I, I don't I don't want anyone right now. I'm you you listen to me, <laughs> listeners. I don't want a single damn message on Facebook, <laughs> on Instagram, on anything that this is the worst open you've ever heard because <laughs> yeah. it might be but but, but but i but the thought that i'm having is you know it's a good thing that this film came long before the Pornhub era it may be a bad thing because you, you could almost there, certainly you? have received some sort of double impact parody i in, don't want to see go what there. i did there yeah, I, I, see, good. I, I see what you did and it's i see what you're gonna cut pretty out. strong mm -hmm. why like, uh, just because it's not because it's offensive it's just shitty <laughs> <laughs> bad joke <laughs> No, it's like I the Seinfeld joke. It, off it offends you as a Jewish person. Yeah. Like, no, I'm as a comedian. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, what do we have in front of us? Well, there's we've a, got, a, we've got a bunch of things. Yeah. Note that it was looked well, like you, it was written by Patty Hearst. So do you want to do you want to read this note? Maybe Are you taking yeah. it away from me. So I I yeah. was in San Francisco for meetings and I get this message. I get this message on my uh, on my on Straight my email. Straight out of San Francisco. And uh, I, I get this message in my email, and the message suggests that somebody is at the office for me, and it's a name I didn't recognize straight away, and I just I ignored it completely. Weeks go by, and I get a message from someone saying, "Hey, did you get the thing I left you at your office?" I left some some beverages for you guys. And um, eventually I am able to obtain this. And it is these three bottles of wine, these wonderful, almost certainly very expensive. And of course, we did actually Google to see exactly how much he spent. So he's apparently making some dough. Yeah. Um, but we were uh, we were blessed by uh, by a fan who mm -hmm. sent us or let me say listener. I don't want to I don't want to suppose that you're a fan but I think Moynihan, you have the letter could you, presumption could you tell that if us? he's delivering very expensive bottles of wine he doesn't hate us it could be some sort um, of and I shouldn't I shouldn't say he by the way because there's this is a co-signed uh, letter um, although there was some a, uncertainty like, about whether or not it should yeah, be this apparently. is uh, he, he writes um, uh, by the way I, I was saying this before the show started this was a very busy week for a lot of uh, listener uh, messages and emails and I just mm want to the stuff that I didn't get to. I usually try to respond to people. He wants to they, thank they Kimberly was, and Karen for sliding into his DMs. Yes, that's right. That's <laughs> You'll be right. visiting you very and soon. And I'm going to send you a video of me sliding through the front door of the clinic. And it was, <laughs> it was hilarious. We loved it. We loved it. So this is the letter. Um, thank you for putting on the fifth column. I crossed out. We really enjoy the show. A couple of bottles are a bit old, so make sure you have a decent bottle over. Oh, but before I continue, I just want to say we <laughs> are drinking what appears to be a couple hundred dollar bottle of wine out of um, Dixie Cups. Literally Dixie Cups. Dixie Cups. Literally Dixie Cups. Dixie Cups. Yeah. It's called Class. And I'm going to say this is a pretty great bottle of wine. This is fantastic. This is, and that is signed Bess Noah. And is it Kajia? That sounds right to me. I, and maybe she's German as Kajia. <laughs> so it's a soft J. I think Kajia. P.S. Uh, this is an important P.S. I believe you guys are under-indexing on the danger that China poses. Smiley face. 
Uh, no, you're probably not wrong about that. Um, but <laughs> when you give us lovely gifts and lovely bottles of wine, you're allowed to You disagree. are wrong about nothing. Yes. Yeah, you're at allowed least to at least for this week anyway. So thank you very much. And we're right now drinking the uh, Heights Cellar and these, Napa you, Valley Cabernet Sauvignon from 1996. And it, it appears that all three of these bottles were acquired from a private collection through Sotheby's. Don't know if that is by, via auction or if uh, our our listener you know oh. b- bought the Banksy painting that yeah. self destructed and <laughs> yes. then bought these uh, bottles of I wine. I just want to point anyway. out what I have said on this show many times before, and, and and it has been successful only on one occasion, is that while I do appreciate the unbelievably tasty bottles of wine, if you have a private collection with Sotheby's, I do also take Venmo, yes. <laughs> and you know it's fine. I'm I'm happy that Harry looks a little agitated. He just came up from his computer. Yeah. Like a Muppet. Harry has thoughts. Real quick, while we're talking about Sotheby's. Uh-huh. Is that how you say it? Sotheby's? That's, yeah, Sotheby's. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it is. All right, Sotheby's. Siegel? So, so, so they did the, the bullshit with the, uh, with the Banksy and the yeah. shredding, and I'm like, oh, look, now it's worth more money. I encourage listeners to look up the KLF, the Copyright oh, yeah, Liberation sure. Front. Exactly right, yeah. So, so, so these are these techno-weirdo art geniuses who first put out a fucking book about how to have a number one hit song in England. And they did. And then produced two number one hit songs based on their stupid fucking book. <laughs> um, KLF is gonna rock you. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. A- Ancients of Moo Moo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tammy Wynette. So, <laughs> stay with me, but the point here is <laughs> these motherfuckers burned a million pounds. Uh, it's not, tr- we don't know if it actually happened. There, there is video. Uh, yeah. They claim that it might yes, be fake. Yeah. Yes, Yeah. They also took a, a million pounds, mm-hmm. framed it, Sold it for half a million pounds. That's and said, <laughs> you can keep this as art and resell it or take it out and double it's your great. money. This is amazing. Uh, I, 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 I think that Banksy and these guys are sort of are sort of riding on the coattails of old awesome shit that's now somewhat forgotten. So I, I wanted to show I, you. I, I love great trolls like that. And I, got oh. a, I have a T-shirt that I got last week. And it was really funny to watch the reaction to it. Is that I just got it because I thought it was a, such a brilliant, hilarious troll. And it um, was uh, Dolce & Gabbana the fashion house were protested by people on Instagram and they got a hashtag trending boycott Dolce and Gabbana because they were dressing Melania Trump. And also they're both gay. And, and one of them said, yeah, I don't care about gay marriage. I think it's dumb. <laughs> or like, <laughs> yeah, gay people shouldn't adopt kids. They were just like being Dolce and Gabbana. They're being jerks, getting attention. And so this hashtag starts trending in, which is boycott Dolce and Gabbana. What they do is they end up making a limited run of t-shirts selling for $350 a piece that just say boycott Dolce and Gabbana. So I have one and I wore it the other day. It's a bootleg version, by the way. It does not cost me $300. Um, and I was walking through and, uh, you know, Brooklyn and people like looking at me. So I went to this uh, place called Walter's, this place, a very nice restaurant. And the, the uh, waiter comes over, um, I, I think a gay man, by the way. Um, it is relevant, I would say. And he came over and he looked at it and he's like, nice T-shirt. And I was like, I don't think he knows that it's them. Oh. And he, I don't think he knows what it is, but he just likes the idea of boycotting things. <laughs> and so, so I thought that was a great, very similar troll, like to actually make money off of this and get, you know, $350 t-shirts. You can buy them on eBay now, by the way, for $600 or $700. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. yeah they're great. It's, it's a very, very funny 
funny little thing. And both of them, I, I desperately want to interview them because they just seem like assholes. I've had a lot of that stuff on, on eBay is, uh, is knockoffs. Oh, yeah. I bought to... one that was a knockoff for 15 bucks. So. Yeah, very yeah. hard to do. Yeah. Um, well, we should get into it because there's there's some stuff going on um, yes, this week. Um, I think we're going to wrap up our Kavanaugh trilogy by talking yeah, a little bit about the, the fallout from the confirmation hearing. But I think it also has intersections with a number of other things that are going on. I mean, there's the Me Too anniversary that's taking place right now. And there is this broader conversation. The, the Kavanaugh thing obviously has broad implications. Um, clearly, it, with respect to the Supreme Court, it seems the only thing people are interested in talking about is this in a connection with Roe versus Wade, um, the abortion decision and the implications for that. Um, well, there's but, also a little bit about uh, uh, whether a president you know, has to, you know, Answer a subpoena. There's the the, the Kavanaugh's yeah, position I think on executive a, power. That's a far less significant piece of the media narrative. The dominant narrative and the thing that has protesters out in the streets yes, is the notion this that this is moment. an attack on women. Well, there's some there's some other stuff we'll get into, but maybe we start with the Kavanaugh stuff. Clearly, I don't want to rehash all things Kavanaugh to Let's begin not, this yeah. conversation. <laughs> we've we've been down this road quite a bit, although, Harry, you weren't able to participate in some of those conversations. And I I would be interested in your your perspectives broadly. But with respect to the response to the Kavanaugh confirmation, it's been pretty damn intense. There were the protests that took place immediately after the scenes of people in the streets sort of pounding on doors um, as the confirmation was taking place as the confirmation was taking place and he was being sworn in. Um, but beyond that, the sort of political narrative that's emerged is Donald Trump and many other conservatives talking about the threat of uh, mob rule by Democrats and decrying the protesters for being Soros-backed. Yeah. I wonder about that narrative and also the emergent counter narrative on the other side. Um, and I think it's probably best embodied by something that Hillary Clinton said in a video where she referred to um, the difficulty of being civil in a circumstance where a political party is trying to destroy everything that you stand for. I think that is a direct quote, but it's close enough. Remember when she was at uh, Trump's wedding and then at his inauguration, <laughs> the Civil War lady? Well, at the time, at the time, he she didn't know that he was trying to destroy everything that, that, that she stood for. So, gentlemen, I, I say all of that to open the door um, to this conversation. We've clearly had a number of discussions about the sort of state of the polity and how bad things are. I don't know if anyone's perspective on things has changed at this point. Clearly, yeah, however, yeah. for the for the midterms, the state the table has been set. And for conservatives and for progressives or Democrats and Republicans anyways, the sensibility is, yeah, this is World War five thousand. This again for the umpteenth thousandth time is the most, most important, important election <laughs> yeah, yeah, of your life. Go out and vote yeah. because this to to quote um someone from a podcast that I won't name, this might be the very last election you ever have a chance to vote in. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Oh, good to know. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I wasn't uh, planning you know, on the On the Soros thing, which I've followed with kind of keen interest recently, is that the one thing that you will notice and how it is differentiated from the, the um, Koch brothers conspiracies is that it is global. And when I was in Europe last week, last month, um, in very, various countries with alt-right people, I did not have a single conversation. And this will be in the piece that, that we're doing, um, in which this, uh, George Soros was not mentioned. 
um, every single time. Obviously, the Hungarians have some kind of cause to mention George Soros because he is of uh, Hungarian extraction. Mm -hmm. um, when you hear it in Italy that these uh, people are being funded by George Soros, that uh, when I was in Sweden, it was a lot of George Soros conversation. When I was at the Kavanaugh in front of the Supreme Court with the protesters and the counter protesters had big Soros signs saying, I have a photograph, <clears throat> I'll post it, of people speaking on on uh, in Kavanaugh's defense and being being framed by two big signs that have, you know, fuck Soros kind of things on them. So it is interesting that it is a kind of a global thing. I really, really cannot stand Republicans, conservatives that indulge this stuff for a few reasons. And the first one is that when when they find themselves defending Coke money, I love that phrase, and I'll never get over it, Coke money. <laughs> and, you know, when you go back to people saying, you know, well, Michael Huffington was the great first example of you cannot buy an election. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, we see this a lot with, with, with Coke-supported candidates or initiatives mm -hmm. that they don't often win. And we can have a conversation. Haven't gotten the president through yet. No, and you can have a conversation about how that money distorts the process, and that's totally fine, mm -hmm. and I think it's reasonable. Um, the other, of course, thing is I don't know why people invoke them when you can easily invoke you know, Paul Singer on the other side, or you can invoke Charles Koch or whatever. Um, or Tom Steyer. Or Tom Steyer. I mean, yeah. it's all the same. Yeah. And it's like, but not sufficiently course, evil. Of course, yeah. what makes Soros so potent is that kind of underlying anti-Semitism. Now, I want to disagree with a lot of people on this. You can criticize George Soros without being an anti-Semite, but all anti-Semites cr cr criticize George Soros. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have, you no, have you noticed also that there's a lot of Jews who criticize him because there's that whole, like, he turned in Jews as a, as a youth during the Holocaust. I had a very long debate, yeah. and I really, I cut a seven-minute version of this, and if anybody wants it, literally email me, and I'll send you a link to it, because I, I don't think I can post it, of me battering Dinesh D'Souza on this point, because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he's like, he's a collaborator. I mean, this is- Almost certain that Roseanne most, explored this on Twitter. It is well, a pornographic, yeah. disgusting, yeah. perverted uh, argument of somebody who is 13 uh, years old, and by the way, no one ever mentions this. He said, went on rounds when they were when they were- um, expropriating Jewish property. How many times did George Soros go out on rounds? I asked Dinesh Sousa this, and he said, I don't know. Well, the answer is once. Mm -hmm. And I, I asked uh, Dinesh what he would have had this boy do when he was pretending to be a Christian so he wouldn't be murdered mm -hmm. in, 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 in death camps. Uh, <laughs> would he go and you know just go to the arcade? I, or I, you know, wanna, what, what would you have him do? He came out, he didn't know what they were doing, they went on this, and that was it. And that is how pathetic these people are, that they say Soros is funded by this, and you know, the tentacles, it's always the imagery of anti-Semitism, you see it, he's everywhere across the globe. Can, I, can I underscore something before we go, before we go further? The, the part of the reason, however, for the different treatment of Soros and the Koch brothers is almost certainly the fact that the Koch brothers network of political spending and investments is all domestic. And yes. the, the Open Society Foundation has a global interest and invests pretty much a that. lot of money abroad. Yeah. Well, I, no, and it's also, and I think if, if this is the time, the only time I've ever wished Matt Welch was in this room. I usually uh, <laughs> hope that he's choking on a biscuit like Mama Cass <laughs> under a desk. But here's, here's the Not thing. Not a ham sandwich? No, I, I, I love that. Uh, Matt often points this out, is that Open Society Foundation People who are free market conservatives should love George Soros because George Soros went to so many post-Soviet countries, immediately post-Soviet countries, and funded the printing of books like Hayek, 
I mean, literally, the Red Search uh-huh. was published and funded by George Soros in places like Georgia. Sure. I was in Georgia Spoke at the many, many years ago, well. and these guys, this um, guy who was the defense minister of Georgia named Giga Bakaria, telling me that it was, it was the Open Society Foundation or a, a Soros-affiliated group that came into, I guess, their university at the time and brought all these books that they couldn't didn't have access to except for Samizdat uh, when they were occupied by the Soviets. I mean, the guys did a lot of great things. So the the only point I wanted to make, though, to, to close up the whole anti-Semitism thing is because I don't believe that Rudy Giuliani is an anti-Semite, but he tweeted that George Soros was the Antichrist. Uh-huh. And, he, and he knows that the audience that that's going to reach. And I know Does George, he? I, yes, I believe so. That's, I, that's I, what you look, believe. As, as, right. as, as unhinged look as... to your right. Harry Siegel is sitting to your right, who uh, knows more about Rudy Giuliani than yeah, anybody I mean, in the I'd, I'd, love to, I'd, I'd love to hear. <laughs> Harry, I do not what believe. happened to him? Yeah. What Fucking hell. Can, 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 we, can we disclose your, your Rudy connection? Yeah. I mean, all right, so if I, give me, let me know if I got any of this wrong. Your, your father, Fred, wrote basically the defi- that at one time the definitive yes. biography of Rudy Giuliani. It's a very good it's book too, Prince of the way. City, yeah. which I read as well. And you collaborated on that book, right? This is, this is true. Right. My dad advised him before that. I, I think Rudy has always been who he was and that not much has changed in the world. And this is the whole Trump phenomenon uh-huh. in a lot of ways is uh, you play your position. So when you're mayor of New York... You love immigrants. Yeah. Uh, you dress up in drag and, and French with the Donald, and and, you know, <laughs> and and when your your wife throws you out after you divorce her by telling the press, you know, you yeah. you, you live with your gay friends, yeah. and that, that, that's, that's you right. know, yeah. they got they got the couch. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> he woke up as their guest on nine eleven on the morning of nine eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you leave, and you're trying to maybe run that's why the terrorists were so mad for president and make um you're running for president. You're making real bank. Yeah, for the first time. And your views change. And, and I don't think that, that he became a different person. I think his position shifted in a lot of ways. He's now someone who's had a lot of money and been around power for a long time without having to play to any larger audience. And he enjoys that. And honestly, he likes being smarter and better than the right-thinking people. I don't know if he is or isn't right now. Mm-hmm. But I know that, that the ways he's acting and the guy is drinking, and, and I think drinking too much are not accidental and they're not because he's foolish or he doesn't get it. And this goes back to the uh, the mobs, if you will. I understand people being very upset with the way the Kavanaugh thing played out. I understand the argument that, like, don't bother to worry about optics because, you know, Fox and these guys are going to smear you no matter what you do. At the same time, I think that the optics of street protest going back to 2016 and this year have been devastatingly bad for Democrats. And you have all sorts of people hmm. who could be brought into sympathy and don't really like yelling people who look really upset, um, you know, banging on the Supreme Court doors um, or whatever ridiculous, you know, I mean, even the footage. outbursts during the hearings. Yep. Sure. Yep. And, and so you have this <laughs> it was overlap. Great to see these people with pipe cleaner arms trying to wrench the doors open, uh, their fingers yeah. in between them. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to work. And there's a, you know, <laughs> I'm terrified of that mob. <laughs> you know, it's not like a sukkah shed. You know, it's like you, can't. you know they, they almost look like the original Lutherans, like banging on the banging on the doors. Yeah, with, but with like very very weak arms. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm always I'm always the guy in the room who does this anyways, so it's fine. Uh, here um, we go. <laughs> yeah, here, here yeah. we go. Um, I I do yeah, I do okay. wonder about. Oh my God! It's outside money. It's billionaires getting their way. These there aren't these aren't genuine sentiments. It's not genuine protest. That's contrived and it's ginned up. Both sides have their boogeymen, and I don't know if you're going to use hyperbolic, sensational, sensationalist rhetoric. Does Rudy Giuliani refer to him as the Antichrist because he is suggesting? Oh, yay, Jewish. No. But, I, 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 but, is, I is, I is he saying it because he thinks a particular audience is going to think? 
Jewish. He doesn't I mind. He's a Catholic. I, well, and he this, uses is, the word this is the thing. We can I only. Mean, we can only. We can only. Yes, Antichrist, as in the worst thing. The worst thing. As in yeah. sub, sub, sensational, yes. over the but top, he's and not, very ig- bad. He is not ignorant of. I what, have no idea what his motivation was in that moment. What I think is interesting is there is a sort of there is an absurd extremist tone to all of the rhetoric around this kind of stuff. There is, however, with this particular charge, the added bonus of when you say it, they get to say that you are an anti-Semite, whether or not you are. That charge is ubiquitous. But th- and even in a context where you're just sending out a stupid tweet, well, I think, you I, are, yeah, in I, fact, I, an anti-Christ. I, I, and you knew. And you I, knew. I, look, I think on the, yeah, Ju- the Giuliani yeah. thing, mm-hmm. there are a lot of bands coming out of England in 1963 that sounded just like the Beatles. Right? <laughs> the Knickerbockers <laughs> and bands like this. I've noticed this of all these people that hang around Trump, not only tweet like Trump, they actually send emails like Trump, too. Uh-huh. I got two rejections. Um, very, very, I'll show you one that I got this week that you uh, uh-huh, appreciate uh-huh. from people in administration positions and both of them were written like Donald Trump. Sure. Like you're an idiot. You're fake news. You're bl- well, one Absolutely. of them I'll say, cause as long as, is, uh, is, uh, the ridiculous buffoon, Sebastian. Gorka. I knew it was going to be Gorka. Well, that's one, yeah. but the other one was a little, it was even, it was a higher up finger prison than that who wrote and who's a smart person who wrote like, you know, basically fuck you, your fake news. You do this bullshit JV stuff and sure, blah, blah, blah. Sure, sure. Nobody cares. Nobody watches your show literally. And it's so funny. It's like I, the show that I was asking for was a show that has 2 million viewers every week. And it's exactly <laughs> the same as the failing New York times, which is incredibly successful. Now yeah. more successful than <laughs> yeah. bad. it's, 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 it's so untethered Trump. from facts. The antichrist is the same thing. It's like, they're not it's like, well, is that a reasonable thing to say? It's, it's just ridiculous. That, that sort of that kind of cadence and that kind of tenor of tweeting and emailing. Emailing is so crazy to me because this is like the third time I've gotten this of like this. I was I'm lifting my finger up, by the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just realized that I it was it was on radio. And yeah, they're saying like, <laughs> fuck you. And they do it in this way. It's like, I don't know if 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 uh, I don't think that Giuliani is an anti-Semite. I think he's just doing the the kind of Trump thing that people do. I I, I have though met a lot of anti-Semites that are really obsessed with George Soros. I, but the, I think what I'm he's getting, the Rothschilds of yeah yeah. Of, I think uh, what I'm getting at is there is there is uh, a sensibility about the extreme, particular, unique danger of the one side, and I do think that there is something to be missed if we're not thoroughly acknowledging the degree to which there is a fundamental tactic at work here. And it is kind of the, the, the distancing of this particular movement from something that is in fact grassroots and that is genuine and that represents real sincere outrage on the part of the people that are actually showing up in the streets. And there can be no doubt that there are lots of Americans who are very distraught and worked up all over all of this. The other part of this though, the, degree to which this is something that is going to be durable. What's this that? all what, what, what well the, the Kavanaugh the Kavanaugh upset, the the depth of the division that exists right now. If there isn't like a decisive Victor, like if it's a split decision in the in the midterms, whether like one party gets the House, one party gets the Senate, uh, I do think that this has a better shot of lasting. If it's if it's more, I think if it's more decisive, if, they, if the Democrats are out or the Republicans hold ground, I think that this kind of thing peters out into just the basic red blue culture war stuff. But I think, um, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's wrong to to, to, to not you to, that people suggest that it was a bucolic period of calm and peace, and then all of a sudden this kind of propped up. I mean, it is definitely worse than it's been in a long time. And it's people are more exercised on either side. I would say that from 2008, um, you know, to 2016, 
Democrats were not as exercised because they controlled the levers of power and or the executive branch and uh, were doing things that they wanted to be done, you know, Obamacare, et cetera. And on the other side, you had Republicans and conservatives heavy breathing. And then they um, were the mob showing up to the they town halls. They were the mob. Halls. They were mob the, ta yeah, yeah. the town halls. And then uh, then Democrats and liberals did the same thing after. But they were showing up to town halls and they were, you know, shutting people down. And they were, I mean, a number of these damn things that I went to in the mall where people are holding up, you know, um, I, I remember having that argument with a guy who had a sign that said Joe McCarthy was right. And I so asked him the, about what? <laughs> uh, it was like, you know, well, there were a few things. But um, I actually asked that guy, I said, do, do you think Dwight Eisenhower was a com communist? And he said, excuse me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, you do realize that was it? Forget it. No idea um, what he's talking about. But I think that now, the difference now is, is that it's coming on both sides. Because, you know, look, the Obama administration and people in the administration believe themselves to be under siege by these people, but they thought it was basically, and they were right about this, basically toothless in some ways. Fox News was a problem. You know, Dana Milbank's going to write this dumb book about Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck feels bad about it later. He's, she gets fired from Fox. All this stuff is rather predictable. Now it's, it's a different thing that everybody is amped up. And I think in the Bush years, it was the same thing with liberals were super amped up. And, you know, the, remember all the Bush as, you know, Hitler placards that you would see all over the place. The illegitimate more, presidency. Yeah, illegitimate presidency, you know, lost in 2000. And, and stole 2004. Stole 2004, you know, yeah. according to Rolling Stone, the mm -hmm. people writing about that. Like RFK Jr. writing things like that, I think. And, you know, I mean, there, it, it was always there. But I think the kind of bipartisan madness is is now is different stop stop there it wasn't always there it's been there depending on how you count since clinton's impeachment mm -hmm. since bush v gore it's yeah. been a long, since ohio in 2004 uh uh since since the uh you know the the birther questions the trump yeah. starts pushing in 2012 so you can skip 2008 here and then the russia probe and the popular majority and everything else so we haven't had a entirely accepted legitimate president except for like eight of the last 20 years at this point. So this is pretty new, and it's a new standard. Who, who what are those eight years? The Obama years? I, I give Obama the first four years. Yeah. Um, and I give Bush the second term, Yeah. if I'm counting. Yeah. But by the time you get to second term Clinton and, and, and the sure. way impeachment plays out, uh, Bush v. Gore for 2000. Hey, what about Reagan? I mean, Reagan had some controversies, especially yes, Reagan, in the Reagan won no 49 states. No one, was, no one thought he no. wasn't president. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and even Clinton, Clinton okay. never got a majority because of Perot running twice. Yeah. So the Republicans never accepted him as a legitimate president. And, okay. and then Gingrich, you know, who, who was like, uh, you know, like McConnell's just going to do stuff. Like Gingrich is like, I, 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 I'm opening up this Pandora's box. Like, mm -hmm. fuck it, it's time. Yeah. And I don't think we've closed it since but this is all pretty new and, and it is like it, it tracks with not with total income stagnation with uh you know stupid wars that are now as old as our teenagers Te with, with technology, right? and technology especially yeah and, and, and oh, yeah. lastly this vague sense of apocalypse separate from the elections and 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 soros rudy antichrist right the like asteroid maybe is coming or tech or whatever mm. so so maybe there isn't that long-term a game to think about that i think is is really starting to infect people's thinking. And, and I, I think our politics are, are, are really screwed up and worse for all this. And then finally, on the left, you have like this revisionist history in which everything that happened in, in the, the, the 1990s was actually, you know, the, 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 the Democrats and like the New Republic crowd, they were also fascists. 
and it gets denuded of all context. So the people writing this stuff know some of the context, mm. and they know why the crime bill was popular, and the, and the, the crime was very high, even if it had started to go down. Yeah, you see that a lot in the '90s, and of of liberals now going back and revising their positions. Then, I mean, yeah. even Hillary seeing Clinton. Matt Iglesias uh, writing that you know Bill Clinton should, should have, have been, been impeached, impeached yeah. because because he was a sex criminal. Right. Um, the new episode of that podcast, Slow Burn, which uh, I think was just released today, I was listening to it this morning, uh, which is pretty good. I, the, I, I think I've said this before. The previous one, I didn't like at all. The Nixon one, I think, was was, was pretty bad actually. But uh, this one's quite good. And and today, like the the one they just released was about Juanita Broderick mm. and about how it was the only mention of her was Jane Doe number five as a footnote, a sub footnote in the Star Report, and he didn't think it was. It was, you know, his remit to, to talk to Juanita Broderick, who had accused Bill Clinton of raping her. And now, I mean, this episode was everyone like, yeah, well, okay, we take it seriously now because now we now we believe women and we didn't then. And so, you know, to see Matt Iglesias uh, throwing his lot in with Ambrose Evans Pritchard and the, the people of uh, the Scafe conspiracy. I mean, he was the member of the, the uh, Richard, Richard Mellon Scafe yeah. conspiracy and the Pittsburgh Tribune Review or whoever it was um, and the Arkansas Project and all this madness and Mena Airport and Clinton Chronicles. And now imagine if something like the Clinton Chronicles, which is a videotape that you could buy on television for 29 bucks or 19 bucks that was produced by Jerry Falwell, I think. Yep. Imagine if you had a accused, similar... Accused Clinton of murder. Yeah, oh, no, it was, it was, it was a, an hour and a half of yeah. accusing him, the, the, yeah. the Clinton death list. I mean, that was the technology then. It was like you had to buy a VHS tape. You couldn't even duplicate it unless you had two bloody VCRs hooked up together with the aux cables, you know? <laughs> and so th this is like people buying these things and then occasionally... Getting you know stuff from the Washington Times, which had at that at, at that time had actually had a national edition, a weekly national edition, and that would kind of they had a magazine called Insight, which was spreading a lot of propaganda too. Um, David Brock worked there at one time. Ken Timmerman, these guys. And, you know, that's how this stuff and, and now you're just bombarded with it. I mean, it's every day when your mother or your uncle, people who had never had a political bone in their body, never even thought about politics, are asking you what you think about Uranium One. I don't think because it's nonsense, but that it, it's really uh, you used to have to go out and actively subscribe to Ron Paul's survival report. <laughs> This change, change was the turning point. It was. Because, right. you know, it's the 9-11 documentary, and then That's they right. kept re-editing it and redoing yes. it yeah. to accommodate changed in facts, like the popular mechanics, debunking of all that nonsense, and so That's on. Right. So, so Although the, the facts were never really essential to the loose change argument. But, no. but it so was it, a dialectical. It got, it got very mainstream. In, in which yeah. they kept processing the countervailing facts Dylan and changing Avery? their narrative to, to, to match it. So you had this almost real-time evolutionary crazy shit yeah that's right. the, the, by the time you get to the web as we know it now and like no barriers to entry for for speech and communication and like everyone able I to do that I mean, we're in a what, weirder place i don't now. i sure. don't know I listen I, I don't know about that especially when i take a look at like the the prevalence of the red scare in the united states i mean you didn't need the internet to animate something like that and quite frankly i mean once you only have so many media outlets that are actually telling stories in public you don't necessarily have sufficient bandwidth in the 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 media ecosystem to actually keep, push keep mind, back against against garbage narratives like that. I think there's a lot. I think there's yeah, but the, I mean, but the red scare, but the red scare was often nonsense and became yeah. a witch hunt. But, yeah. Of course, there are actual terrorists, but there is Camille, a, a Camille, point I, at which I one think, is being a little I think the important too thing to point extreme. Out 
is that is that the Red Scare, and uh-huh. there are two Red Scares, the first one with Mitchell Palmer, the attorney general whose house was bombed by Argus, the first Red Scare after the First World War, and then you have the Red Scare in the 50s. Both of those were pushed, and why this spread so far is it was pushed by government entities. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It wasn't something that was just like a, a newsletter or a video or like, you know, who killed Vince Foster. It was literally within... The, the the House and the Senate were debating and arguing these things. I mean, HUAC is obviously the House on American Activities Committee, and then Senator McCarthy sure. is pushing these things. There were also, and this is, you know, you can, depending on which sort of modern conspiracy you're talking about, you can say there's some truth to all of them. But the, the thing about the Red Scare is that most of these, the, most of the Reds they were pointing out were probably actually Reds. The thing about it is, is that it was no one's business. Uh It was not the government's business to be saying this person has this sort of political views. You know, you have these guys like, um, what was it, Uh, Stanton Evans, who used to be the editor of Human Events before he died, came out with a book. And I, I reviewed it, actually, defending McCarthy. And, you know, did this? it's it's a sleight of hand and saying, like, well, these guys were actually commies. It's like, yeah, well, he wasn't picking people out of a hat. It's just a matter of, like, civil liberties and allowing people to be commies. And I think there's a meaningful difference. When you're like, you know, uh, Vince Foster was, like, killed by Hillary Clinton's, you know, lesbian lover or whatever the hell people were saying. But this, so here's a question, because I'm, and I'm particularly sensitive about this. We all work in media. I'm I'm the only one with a, a media startup. And my media startup has a particular dog in this fight. I mean, we are, we, we are not... We're not necessarily supportive of the dominant narrative uh, about the role of technology in helping to sort of degrade our democracy. Um, and I'm not even sure if that's a dominant narrative, but it's a narrative that's out there. Um, and I don't know. It, it sort of rankles me a bit because I agree with you completely that it is different when it's the government. Um, I also think that there has been no shortage of nonsense historically and that nonsense has been transmitted in various ways. And even to the extent that the sure. loose change film sort of animates a belief amongst some particular subset of the population. I mean, the protocols of the elders of Zion are something that were able to catch fire amongst a certain group of people. I'm not certain that either of those things on their own animated a movement so much as they got grafted into something else. And to the extent they became, they become particularly dangerous it's only when they're weaponized by our politics. And quite frankly, with the loose change stuff, it seems like something that's just kind of grafted in to the broader to the broader politics rather than something that on its own is actually able to elevate some particular um, movement of disaffected Americans who want to do something bad or overturn the government. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't give that much credit to, to Alex Jones for the current moment. If there's I mean, nothing if would, new under the sun, right? I mean, there's just like sort of a range of like you fears talk Bible and stuff. to me. It gets me very hot. <laughs> hey, hey. It's good. Thank you. After the show. So, <laughs> you know, there's fears and there's a sense of safety and what people are willing to exchange for that and, yeah. and out of their sense of decency. There, there are conspiracies. There's often a, a wealthy Jewish financier, ideally an international one, in part because— Well, you're saying there really is one? There's usually plenty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but in, in, I knew it! By the way, when I often point out for people listening who don't know that Camille's black when he says things like, Harry's Jewish, so he's allowed to say that. Yeah. Uh, well, only if his name is Siegel and not Seagal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Harry Seagal. Jews are really important to the racists here who are obsessed with blacks because yeah. it explains how, like, like, like uh, you can— 
can have like inferior mud people who you want to say are bad and 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 and, and Wait, just are you saying the blacks really sub- are inferior? Subjected. No, <laughs> sorry, I'm saying I'm saying that the the the. the, the Racists who think those sorts of things need some ghost in the machine or mechanism to explain how these the, these people who are inferior are a threat and a threat as a mob often, by the way. Um, and, and a very handy way to do that is to have like a denuded de-sex group, like, like yeah. which you use the Jews as, who then are pulling these strings and want to like tamper with, uh, you know, like the actual white bloodstream and are also a threat to it because you can't visually identify also the weather and all this other stuff. Yeah. Like, a, it's, a question that I want to – Nothing new. Yeah. But, but <laughs> yeah. this stuff gets yeah. very ugly. It never entirely goes away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my wife is from California. As the Trump thing was rising, she was just very annoyed with everyone talking about the, the Nazi stuff, not because of the what's-his-face rule. Uh, but she's like, I, you know, I, yeah. I, 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 there, there were actual Nazis there all the time. There were actual Nazis in uh-huh. yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah sure. And, and it's not, oh, my God, the Nazis are going to rise up and take everything else over. Trump is a Nazi. But, like, the, the idea that people were just discovering all the shit that was already there was absurd. And finally, after the election, speaking of the technology stuff, watching BuzzFeed and other places be like, uh, you know, do fake metrics – uh, about fake news, like 25 million people shared the uh, oh yeah, the, yeah, do, yeah, the, yeah the Pope endorsed Donald Trump. How yeah. many fucking votes do you think that changed? No, right, it, so it's it, the yeah, same yeah, bullshit. Yeah, Facebook's yeah. selling and Vice is selling and yeah. lots of other places. Yeah, sure, yeah. Where, where where our clicks are magical clicks, yeah. and, and you don't actually know what any of these numbers mean or, or, yeah. or what the point of this stuff is, and it allows for magic thinking and conspiracy of to, to, of to breed. You know, the question I was going to ask, um, I, I just want to interrupt and say that if you heard any squeaking and that it was Anthony uh, Fisher. Uh, molesting a bottle of wine and the end of the note from uh, Noah and uh, Kajia was uh, was uh, use a um, uh, decent bottle opener because these are old bottles and, and we and we are borrowing our, our gracious yeah, yeah, uh, studio yeah. hosts a yeah, pretty yeah, but, decent okay. bottle but you screwed that up Fisher. I'm sure uh, I wouldn't whoa. have done that yeah okay I'm gonna get back to it because I don't want yeah, no one to get it. mad at me that, that we, we you know, we're drinking the wine I'm gonna drink all the I'm gonna drink all the, cork. I'm gonna drink all the yeah. um, the question is and this is I open it to you guys is that there is, I, I think Harry's point is the right one of that, you know, I thought it was so amazing when Politico did this story about these Russian uh, fake stories on, on Facebook. And they did this gallery, and you can still see this, it's like 20, 30 stories that right. were, were, and it is amazing because at the, the very small, the bottom, as the number of people who shared them. And some of them are like 500, 200, no 100 one. times, like basically nobody. Yeah. And it's like, wait, yeah. what, what, what's going on here? Because the question I wonder about and the thing that I wonder about is that it allows I mean the idea of fake news which now has become something that is expertly and brilliantly uh, taken over by Donald Trump people forget that it was Hillary Clinton that came out right after the the, the election and said well I, you know fake news it is of, of course which I, I think we've talked about this way too many times on the show what's that so well it's it's just it's the Engels stuff it's just false con- consciousness uh-huh. so like if only they had not been d- screwed up by the capitalist press they would have voted for, voted for us that's why we lost fake news uh-huh. I wasn't a bad candidate right yeah, yeah so the other thing that you see often now is this pe- the people the, the rise of the fact checkers right and this idea that if only we had people, Harry's got his hands, hands on his head. Harry looks like a cartoon character from Hanna Barbera. He's kind of, he's he's literally his hands on his head, pulling his hair out. It looks like Captain Caveman. But what's wrong with fact checkers, Moynihan? We need uh, the yes. truth. Well, uh, yes. That's the Harry. I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna because of Harry's reaction <laughs> to that, which was a physical, full body reaction. I'm going to put uh, give Harry the floor to 
to respond to Please, things Harry. about this idea of fact checkers. Tell us why you hate the truth. Um, I don't know if you should keep talking about because Harry looks like he's looking for something on his computer. What's, right? what's worse, fact checkers or explainers? Uh, well, but, mm. uh, uh, both are condescending. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And if only people could read the truth that, you know, that somebody that, you know, somebody at uh, Glenn Kessler puts out, mm. then they'd be set on the right path. Yeah. D Donald Trump wrote a, a piece today as we're talking, which is Wednesday the day for USA Today, the mm -hmm. paper that did the infographics and whatnot, yeah. where he said, <laughs> and you he said, said a Larry bunch King. of stuff, yeah. right? And he said, like, uh, the Democrats want Medicare for all. Next thing you know, we're going to be Venezuela. Everything's going to be terrible. You know, vote, yeah. vote, vote for Republicans. Too much is at stake. Most important election of our lifetime. MAGA. So pretty much usual bullshit from yeah. the president. There were about a hundred bajillion hot takes and numerous oh, columns. Yeah. Like they didn't fact check this. They're just going <laughs> to let the president of the United States make political assertions. Oh my god! <laughs> it kills me. And yeah. you know what the thing is? The motherfuckers who are doing that, and the people are very upset with the New York Times saying, uh -huh. and, and Maggie Haberman, all this stuff. Right? I love them because they're the last people left who believe in the uh, power of the press. The ones who think that the USA Today's insufficient fact-checking is why Donald Trump is president, yeah. like, God bless you, as, as a card-carrying member of the press, like, uh, I, I, if I appreciate- only. If only. You're nonsense. I'm standing here, the gate's been knocked over, I'm the gatekeeper just outside in the cold, shivering and naked, and you're like, you're a powerful man, Harry, why are you doing this? Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. you. You give me warmth and strength, you dummies. Um, can, can you, but, but I want you, can you draw oh, that out, great. though? What do you mean when yeah. you say that? Be explicit, because some people don't understand. What part of it? The, because. I will say, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's for Harry because I, I prefer yeah, to have you can do well, it I prefer to have, have Harry do it because he's 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 very good at the rant. But you know, I mean, what does it mean? Is that uh, just look at movies that have been made about journalism, uh -huh. right? And does any like the closest you get is like some guy who's living out of his car and smoking Lucky Strikes and he's kind of a piece of shit and he's screwed up all of his marriages, but he's kind of the crusading journalist. The Nobody makes movies where journalists are the bad guys. Ever? Because we have this this perception of what you have your finger up. Is there one? Is there one? Ace in the hole. Might be a project. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, they're, like they're, they're all bad. Um, <laughs> and not 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 us God. though. We're totally trustworthy. Yeah. But not. Well, I guess in, in, not die, in Die Hard, the uh, journalist is bad. Uh, yeah. Is that right? Oh yeah, in Die Hard. He's the he's the villain in both Die Hard yep. and Die Hard Two. Oh really? Greatest yeah, Christmas yeah. movie. Well, of the all first time. fucking Second MAGA movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. But not in that MAGA way. Bruce right? Willis. And, 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 no, and, just and, just in that he's he's he's, he's uh, manipulating no, no. the truth yeah. and, and. No, no. I, what I mean is that people like the the press, the impression of the press is a sort of crusading. Brilliant people who do wonderful things and democracy dies in yes, darkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go fuck yourself. I mean, this is <laughs> it's not enemy of the people stuff. Yeah. No, I mean, any, like that's equally. It's I know it's not equally. It's, it's far more offensive to me that you say call it the enemy of the people. But it's th this sense that if only we organized uh, journalists in the the correct way, we could have stopped Donald Trump. We could we could uh, prevent X, Y, and Z from happening. And the, the, the other thing about this, during the campaign, this sense, and I think this is so ridiculous, that cable news was running Donald Trump's things. It was just an advertisement for him because he was doing these things and they'd run his rallies. Number one, they were entertaining and people wanted to watch them, which is why they were being broadcast. So tell people not to watch them and they won't be broadcast. Second of all, how many people watch cable news? Not many. Not many. It's actually and not that much. Fewer every year. Fewer yeah. every year. And it's like, that is, this is not throwing the election because it allows the press to say, we are the ones that control the narrative and we are the ones that create reality. And if only we try a little harder, it's 
it's Fox News. It's like you go home and your your crazy old uncle and your crazy old grandpa. That these people are not going to be you know painting pictures of fucking Daniel Ortega if there's no Fox News. I'm sorry, it's that's not how it works. Michael, you convinced me I was totally wrong before. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> Trump got so much earned media. And there were all of these fascinating, important stories and ones the Times mentions in passing in his 27 billion word investigations, right? Yeah. Like uh -huh. as Wayne Barrett and Tim O'Brien. Now, those she are previously reported. About. The great yeah. Wayne Barrett. That there was so much actual news and digging to do. And just like looking at entertaining guy. Yeah. Flail. Yeah. What's he going to say next? Was not a good or healthy thing. And it no. did unbalance. Well, no one took him seriously. There, well, there was that, never the belief that he right. could win. That's the, the, it's the again, reason why that, you pay that, attention that can, to the circus. I mean, look, it could be a bridge to the story of the Yasha Monk story. The way is that yeah, they, they, there is nothing more bubble-oriented than seeing these people say that there's no way he could win. I'll tell you what. I was the same person. And I will be totally honest and say that that I was living in that same universe. And I've learned a lot since then. And I'm glad that I had to go back and sort of, you know— check my premises right, and see what see what I was uh, wrong about. But yeah, I mean, it's also the, the pomposity in that, too, is that let's not take this guy seriously because nobody could possibly vote for this bozo. And then the number of conversations I had with him the next day, two days after his election, probably half of which I took part in enthusiastically and saying, <laughs> how could 60 million people be so stupid? Sure. Um, and that was that was wrong. Hmm. That was stupid. That was silly. And Donald Trump already had. Um, enough fame beforehand. I mean, we didn't have to get, I mean, he had the damn right. apprentice. I mean, it was the number one show in America for many years, right? I was think, it? I think so. It was, it was definitely the number one reality show. It, it overtook yeah. Survivor in the mid 2000s. Yeah, but it was a very popular show either yeah. way, right? It was very popular. He was huge. Yeah. I mean, he'd, he'd he been huge. He was He's huge always, before yeah. The Apprentice. But, but he'd, he'd, he had hit such a, you know, he had ebbed terribly in, in the 90s. He was he was doing McDonald's commercials to stay afloat. But The the Apprentice absolutely yes. brought Same him thing. to a Rebranded like, like, like sure. For New Yorkers, he was, always, he was always a thing. And I'm sure he was like peripherally in the, you know, the whole national consciousness, but nothing like The Apprentice. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and look, the, the Apprentice is the reason we have Donald Trump as the president of the United States now. Had he not picked himself up in that kind of celebrity way, I mean, had he made a couple of uh, clever, which he's incapable of doing, clever real estate deals and got back on top and did not have a television show, I still don't, I don't think he would be president. It was an, a very dear friend of mine um, who I saw last weekend, hung out with last weekend, uh, was the sound guy on The Apprentice for all, what, nine seasons or whatever they did. And it's really funny because he has, it was 11 or 12, um, and he has some... Uh, very funny stories about the Donald uh, and uh, when he was getting himself back on. Does he have the N-word tape? I, will, I, can't, I can't talk about what he does have or doesn't have. Tom Arnold wants to talk to him. Has, uh, I, I will say this. I cannot. I, uh, uh -oh. OK, I'll just say this because put it this way. Tom Arnold has definitely gotten in touch with him many times. OK. Uh, he has, he is not responding, <laughs> you, know, you know why? Not because he doesn't want the truth to get out there or whatever. It's because it's fucking Tom Arnold. Yeah. Cause like, you know, if you're going to be like, uh, I got to blow up this water case, Watergate case. Uh, let's get Nipsey Russell. On the, actually, that, no, just, he was talented. Don't insult Sorry. Nipsey. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know why that popped into my head. I love Nipsey Russell. <laughs> well, you mentioned, uh, Moynihan, it's, uh, this piece by, uh, is it Yasha Monk? Um, yeah, yes. and, uh, it's the, the title of this piece. It was in the Atlantic. Sorry. Yeah. Page. While we're looking for this piece, I'll just say that like uh, nice wine and taste and all these concepts are complete bullshit. 
Uh, it does taste good. It's a good tasting one. It does taste good. Because what you're uh, you're assuming is that wine cannot taste good. I don't think it tastes good because it's expensive wine. I often say the same thing about $5 bottles of wine. Uh, so it tastes good. I like the taste of this one yeah. more than this one. Well, the piece was uh, Americans strongly dislike PC culture. And this is, yeah. uh, Yasha has actually had a, a couple of heaters recently. Yeah, I'm, both I'm, of the Atlantic, I'm a yeah. fan. We he's need to, to get him And to he's come pissing off the right people. Yeah. Um, says, says us. Um, but the piece is interesting. And of course, it, it totally confirms my biases, so I imagine that it's all true, um, but that it uh, is based on this study, uh, Hidden Tribes, and goes on to make a, a broad claim, um, and we could maybe talk about some of the specifics, that there are, in fact, some pretty extreme poles, and rather than this bifurcation between sort of the, the super woke and what was the, the other faction, um, the, the resentful the resentful um, right. The resentful right and the woke are sort of at war with one another that Americans, broadly speaking, are more in the middle. And generally, the Americans broadly believe of all stripes, be they of whatever race or income level, that PC culture is, um, uh, is a problem, um, that America is too PC. He does mention specifically that it's not clear what people mean by exactly. PC, it's a, it's a um, big which hole. is a really important thing yeah. um, to, to look underscore. Look at the study, though. They, they, they the study. do define it pretty, they, they, they do tackle that question pretty aggressively. Okay, this is, this is, this is his, yeah. his words yeah. uh, with respect to the yeah. study. Um, anyways, um, I, I'm doing too much talking. So, gentlemen, I don't know if I have a question there. I don't have a well, I, I'm I, a little can, drunk. Can I read the, uh, I'll read the kind of one nut, and a half bottles n- in. nut graph of, of, um, Yasha Monk's piece. I mean, there's a lot of information in this uh, study. Uh, Among the general population, a full 80% believe that, quote, political correctness is a problem in our country. Even young people are uncomfortable with it, including 74% of ages 24 to 29 and 79% under the age of 24. On this particular issue, the woke are in a clear minority across all age groups. Um, so, so yeah, so, you, so you, you said you dug deep enough to find out what they defined as political. Yeah, he talks, about, he talks about it a little bit and they give a lot of sample questions, which strike me as exactly what you mm. should ask in political correctness. I mean, I think that the numbers are so large too. Um, and it's so sort of unbalanced that it, 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 it would strike me. I mean, this is essentially what happens. And when, when you don't like the results of a study like this is that you say, well, you know, the methodology is off and like, yeah, you should, of course, always question that. Uh-huh. Um, I, it strikes me that, I mean, the people that did this are not, they're, they're no right wingers, mm. right? But they're the people that, um, the foundation that was started by uh, um, the, the woman, uh, Joe Cox, who was an MP that was murdered before yeah. Brexit by, by, by a Britain a, first by a right wing extremist. Yeah. Yeah. More, more in common is the uh, more in common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they don't really have a it's not like it, it, it was from heritage or something. But it, when I was right. reading, but they it, do I, have an incentive to convince us that we have more in common. Correct. Yeah, correct. of course. Of so, course they do. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm just surprised it was that that they would try to convince <laughs> us with. Yeah. But no, it, it tracks a kind of and there's no sort of science whatsoever. Uh-huh. But it sort of tracks with what my experiences have been in the past four or five years, Mm -hmm. especially when all of this stuff has gone around the bend. Um, And uh, just two, three, four people that I've been texting with today who are not political people, I think would probably vote for, you know, Bernie or, you know, whoever the Democratic candidate was. They find Ted Cruz repulsive. They're, you know, just normal, normal sort of New York type people. And they are like, well, yeah, of course this. And people have been batting this this story around and every day I get a link from one of these people 
um, who again, aren't political people. And it's usually in publications that I either work for or have worked for or <laughs> of like some insane headline and like, what is wrong with you guys? Like how fucking out of touch are you? Like you're like another thing about, you know, a trans this and that, this. And it's like, oh, you guys, I, someone said to me like, you guys have done more trans stories than there are trans people. And I like, you know, people just don't get it. And they're just, it's, and it's not a political thing at all. It's, it's sort of, you know, the, I, I don't think Donald Trump created the idea that we're overrun by political correctness, he definitely exploited it in yeah. a way that nobody else had ever thought about because they were too afraid to actually do it. Donald Trump is a suicide bomber, does not care. You know, I, I always said to, to, to journalists, it's like, you, you complain about your salary. You, you, if you have no, if no care about what other people think of you, you can be rich. You can be in culture. You could, I could be on TV every day if I just said the things that Ann Coulter said, right? Or if I just said the things that Glenn Beck said or whatever. It's like, but Donald Trump did that in a political form in a presidential race. He, like, people are too afraid to say, like, mm, I don't want to step in it and say the wrong thing about race, class, gender, or class, but race, gender, sexuality, et cetera. And this is the first guy who could have given a shit what you thought about it. And actually, that was, if you thought something terrible about it, that was to his advantage. So, I mean, this, this tracks with, you know, what I had assumed. I, I, I think the numbers strike me as a little high, but, but 80%, right? It's kind of crazy. Monk is thirsty here. Yeah. And he's cherry picking, right? So 82%, 80% of Americans tell this survey of the professional moderates, the political correctness is an issue. The only group that disagrees here, like the hardcore progressives who are a small group, they're 8% yeah. of the country, whereas yeah. the crazy conservatives, as this has it, is like 24% of the country, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 80% political correctness bad, 82% hate speech a problem. Oh, you got to read the piece, Harry. You got to read the piece. No. He included that in this piece. He did. He did. He mentioned, he, he he, mentioned he, it. He caveated it. He caveated it, but it, it, it is not. His but, but, so, I, so I, I, Harry's actually referencing the original study here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 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 but he didn't cherry pick it because that is in his piece. And in the piece he says, which I think is actually a reasonable thing to say, is that People think this stuff is bananas and gone too far, and they're also not racist. Mm -hmm. I mean, that seems to track fine with me. I mean, I, think I don't think there's any overlap with it, like the hating political correctness and being, you know, it's it, it specifically someone hate speech too. They say in the study, like 82% think there's a problem with hate speech, which again is a definitional thing. Is like, oh, is it people yelling at each other on Twitter, or is it people saying, you know, racial slurs or whatever it might be? But I don't think it necessarily means that there's some sort of disconnect here. So, so they've got this group in the middle, the politically disengaged, which is 26% yeah. of the country, right? Yeah. And the crazy conservatives, 25. Mm -hmm. And they're like, maybe they're the answer. Let's hope they're the answer. Sure. People who don't disengage. I think that's nonsense. Give yeah. a shit. They're good and they're healthy. You need some of them. Like New York had its record turnout when like Dinkins was running against Giuliani twice, and it's like, oh man, is everything about to explode? And or are we all going to die? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's how you get epic civic participation. I think that the, these disengaged people, who by the way are more likely to be uh, black and Latino, to uh, uh, um, to to have lower incomes, to be in the middle of the country, and not to have a uh, past a college education. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm not sure that the, 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 that radically engaging them is going to be like, ah, they're all still in the center, which is oh, how I they totally represent agree. on the chart yeah. or yeah. any of that. Yeah. I, I think they're very likely to get pulled in and, and yeah. tribalized like yeah. everyone who already is engaged. But tribalized to where? But I mean, what grabs me is you say you say the center. But if the if the notion is that the, the center is actually pretty vast and that there is a lot of agreement, I mean, why would they go to the polls? 
Wait, are they I mean, centrist or, or, or yeah? I mean, uh, ah, okay. Wait, are they in the center because they're politically centrist, or are they just homeless? Homeless. <laughs> yeah. There's 26 okay. percent yeah. that's the, 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 adrift and disinterested. And the idea they stay in the big, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's almost like floating above it. You yeah. Know, rather than like yeah. you know. Leaning but look, I think it. Harry's point's right. I mean, if you if people like that engage in politics, what's to prevent them, especially in this climate now, from not falling on the the sort of you know, whether it's the Black Lives Matter side or on the they could, on the, they're the low information right voters. Although there's no, there's no particular reason to suspect that they that they will get involved. No, of course not. Um, they they didn't get involved during the sort of record turnouts with uh, respect to Barack Obama. I mean, we've always had a, a healthy percentage mm-hmm. of Americans who simply do not participate. But is so that the idea? I'm is that, that that's that salvation? Young people more than anyone. Is the salvation is mm-hmm. with these people that are undecided or unengaged? The the the, the, the study offers that as as one premise, which which I'm dubious of, but like developing some sort of healthy center seems good. And it does jump out at me here. No that, that the, 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 the only people who like politically correct speech are the, the 8% on the extreme left here, mm-hmm. right? Who are countered by like 25% uh, 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 from conservatives. So, so I think some of the speech code stuff is, is ridiculous. I think, you know, uh, 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 removing things from like the conversation and the sort of things that, that, that people ordinarily have or you're 40, 50, 60, 70, you've talked a certain way, it's like suddenly, wait, the way the way you're talking is itself, the, the, the crime doesn't help convince people of goodwill. Yeah. That said, if you have, there's something to be said for treating people with respect and courtesy. So so the Times in 2016 in the presidential election, right, they're like, um, uh, 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 trans equality is the uh, civil rights issue of our day. Mm. I, to me, who, who, who believes a core that you treat people the way they, 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 they want to be treated, that you call people by the names they, 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 uh, they call themselves and then anything else is like what like profoundly disrespectful to people. The idea that this was the civil rights movement is insane. When you look at the number of people who are involved, what the stakes are, how this plays out, I thought it, w- it was a really insulting comparison and a terrible way of promoting a good cause. And I think in my middle American conversations and ordinary folk ones that, that, that it confused and alienated people and people I think could easily be persuaded about this. Yeah, I, I, just all you have to look at is the number of people that click on that Guardian article about dead naming or whatever it might be, and it's like 300 people, that, and the, 200, the, the, the 25, 30, 40 million people that watch a South Park episode ripping on that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. the mainstream view of this is not the stuff that we consume in newsrooms when you're adjudicating what the headline should be, what you should call somebody, what, you know, if somebody pitches a story about how, you know, they just saw the new fucking Jurassic Park movie and it's like hateful to the disabled or whatever. That's because nobody can r- report anymore. Nobody knows what they're doing. They just sit their computers. Nobody has the money to report. They sit down and they have their bloody hot takes. It's non Stop. Nobody reads them and nobody cares. The only time you ever engage with them is to make fun of them. No one is sitting there going, good God, that was an amazingly bright piece. In the same way that when I engaged with James Baldwin for the first time, Mm. I had this shiver and I said, God, this is people thinking it's the fizzle and the pop. It's like, no, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And like, I hate the, the bubble thing that conservatives do. I can't stand it. Like I had someone say to me last week, well, um, up in your New England, blah, 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 you wouldn't get this when I was in Mississippi. And I was like, number one, fuck you. Because <laughs> I know and you don't, so go fuck yourself. Because I'm in Mississippi and you've never been to New England. Okay? <laughs> so that's the first thing to start off with. Um, people in Mississippi were, by the way, super nice. I just wanted, <laughs> one guy pissed me off. This guy that this, this is a little annoying. But you know, that bubble thing is nonsense. It, 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 when, when it's deployed in that way, in this reckless kind of grape shot way, 
but it's true that it exists in a lot of ways. Because when I engage with my friends on some of these things, I cannot believe the fact that the brains have not expanded since Oberlin and they just don't get it at any way. I, it's, I know that's vague. They just don't get it. But you it's know. cost control. There were 500 billion takes approximately yeah. about Beyonce slaying Giuliani at the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, and yeah, there yeah. was Beyonce Giuliani beef. And this is during the, the presidential election. Uh, yes, queen. And, and, queen. and this is about that's whether funny. we love I and revere yes. police or yes. want to reform them or yeah. hate them or whatever. And yeah. it, it becomes a really nonsense debate. I thought her performance was awesome and that Giuliani's politics at this point were like crude and trite. I didn't think that having all of these hip young culture people doing this, which is also how you say, look, we have a diverse staff with the people who get laid off first and paid the least because they are just sitting at computers and producing stuff is a really healthy way to get there. And it does lead to crazy bubbles where it's constantly this late night comedian slayed this conservative jerk. You know, the, 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 this appealing pop culture figure j just, uh, you know, destroyed. And, and, and then, you know, Trump doesn't win a popular majority, but he wins the presidency. Republicans have that the House and the Senate, most of the state houses. It's like clearly you're missing something about how these cultural moments are playing out and what they're worth and how you're measuring yeah. this shit, like Pope endorses Trump. Yeah. I think that there is a profound feeling of alienation uh, from the generally from the culture, from people that are um, either even moderately conservative. I mean, if you think of that, if there was a national bookstore and it only sold books by Antonio Gramsci and, you know, Marx and, you know, maybe if we're going to mix it up and be like a little pop culture, Michael Moore. And none of the other books just existed. That is essentially what it feels like when people watch late night television, because there's like five hosts and all they do is attack things that these people believe in. And, you know, they don't think Trump's that bad. Right. I mean, 60 million people voted for the guy. They don't think he's that bad. If you think he's that bad, you're going to vote for him. And or just gener generally have this kind of smug attitude about this sort of politics. And it's not politics that I agree with. It's not. These are not my politics. But you just notice more and more when you when you watch like, I mean, who is it? I mean, the only person who's not that in late night is Conan. Because he's just not really political. Well, you, he just you, doesn't you, care. Just like you were saying before about cable news. Seth, Seth Myers is like, he was never funny to begin with, but he's just stopped, <laughs> he stopped being a comedian. Well, I mean, a lot of it, you can, you can almost say that Colbert stopped being a comedian. I mean, well, Colbert, well, Colbert it, was a brilliant satirist who's now like going on you know, just rants every night that are very predictable. And the same thing as, what's his name? The guy from Brooklyn. What's his name? Uh, the other late night guy, Kimmel. 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 Kimmel used to. Kimmel used to be it's just a bro. Like he's a, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, the he, man show. He, he, and I mean, he, and even <laughs> the man show, and even on the Kimmel show in the early years, you know, very politically incorrect humor, things that we would call politically incorrect now. Yeah. But so, like, you know, again, the, these were things that were like trying to evolve. Well, by but the way. but you know, for for a million years, it was Carson and Letterman, literally two guys on one network, and that was the show. That yeah. was all of late night culture, and it was an important thing because it was the it's it just like Milton Berle owned TV because it was the only thing on. Yeah. And now, like, because there's innumerable uh, hosts and they're truncating their space as it is, like Conan's down to a half hour. He had to fire his band. Uh, is he down to a half hour? Oh, yeah. He's down oh, to a half geez. hour and whatever the, the remnants of the Max Weinberg 7 are yeah. gone. Um, yeah. So the um, huh. but, but the point is, just like cable news, the, the, the audience Maybe is, should get more political. The audience is cratering. And I think that a big part of it is uh, the, the survival mechanism is they're going for viral moments. They're going for rants and bits that will live online. 
to make them continually be relevant. I don't. I have no idea how they monetize that, but that absolutely seems to be how the that that appears to be the business model of the late night thing. And they don't care that they're not reaching middle America. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, if you have a, this array of five uh, late night. I was talking about politics all the time, and it's in Trevor Noah. And I mean, you just keep going, you keep going, you keep mm-hmm. going. It's like I mean, a, 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 it's hilarious to look back at the '70s, particularly sort of uh, the first uh, Nixon's first term, and think about like like everyone you know smashing their TVs because fucking Dick Cavett was such a commie, yeah. right? Well, it's like Smothers one Brothers. guy, Smothers Brothers, like yeah. one joke, yeah. uh, appropriate joke about the disaster in Vietnam. They made one joke, one joke. Yeah. So so Chris Caldwell, I think, is a really smart, really conservative guy. Had a pretty terrific piece about Kavanaugh and the Weekly Standard about so, yeah. this. And look, the heart of it is, let's posit for a minute that he uh, he's not a uh, gang rapist. Huh. Just which, for a second. Which is what most, most conservatives <laughs> presume as much. And let's, let's, let's a, a lot of conservatives are going way out on that limb. And, and the real questions here are how you <laughs> adjudicate. Like time the, the, Why are we laughing? Because, you know, I just called Michael Moynihan a gang rapist, and now the burden of proof is on him yeah. to, to prove yeah. otherwise. And stop, yeah. too late. Well, no, it's yeah. not. Yeah. No, it's not. You're not a woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're not a woman. Yeah. You Believe don't have people, that sort man. of cliche. I literally thought you were going to say, and you're not wrong. <laughs> you don't have that sort of power. <laughs> but, 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 but look, I was going to say it's not only women. This is like OJ stuff in a certain sense, right? Like, like, like the people are like, there's this good and fair system are always like the latter polar uppers. And, you know, fuck you if this system hasn't actually been good or fair for you for 60 years. Because what's the better thing that's going to replace it? And that shit is, to me, like deeply offensive. And, 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 and a way of hiding behind nominal virtue. Hmm. But if the answer to replace that is let's have no standard at all or let's take this guy, Kavanaugh, who I, I, I believe for it. I believe that this happened. I believe that he's the guy and she's not confused. I don't know how exactly to categorize it or if assault was the right word from what's out there because I wasn't there. But it seems really bad and fucked up to me and bad that he lied about it and bad that he then said this was a Clinton's conspiracy. I'm, I'm, I'm really unhappy that this guy is on the court, given how this played out, and not entirely just because of what she said, but how he then testified and dealt with it. With that said, you know, you have someone who there wasn't any, you know, fair standard of proof. You have this belated FBI investigation because Ford, who asked to remain anonymous, has her name weaponized and dropped for maximum political impact. You then have, I think, somewhat ridiculous follow-up claims, including both the, the, the New Yorker one and the Avenetti one, the way the way that played out. And now he wants to, you know, MMA wrestle uh, Donald uh, Trump Jr. God he damn is, it. He Fuck is a real guy. hero. Yeah. I, I understand Republicans <laughs> thinking that the bad will started on the other end and that this is ridiculous and it's a Chinese finger trap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, if we can, I don't know if that's you politically can't, correct. You can't say it anymore. Asian. That's fine. Invented it's by a, a guy in Queens Asian in 1916. Finger. You know yeah. what? You, yeah. You're yeah. thinking that's why it's an Asian-American I like Harry a lot and I want him to stay employed. You're indirectly appropriating the Chinese finger trap for all Asians, uh, well, and that's wrong. Well, if I, if I may, real, real, real quick, I hate to, ch- to interrupt your train of thought, but this very thing is, re- is relevant because Ron Darling used the phrase chink in the armor yes. to describe... I remember. Ja- well, this was three days ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, a ja- a Japanese pitcher, uh, Masahiro Tanaka for the, the Yankees, mm-hmm. was giving up some hits. Ron Darling, who is half Chinese, said chink in the armor. It's a phrase because 
his armor, he was pitching well, and now he's not pitching well. And, and the Daily word. News, the Daily News called it a slur. <laughs> I mean, how, how, how quickly you forget that somebody was fired from ESPN for that headline? No, I don't forget that at all. Uh, the yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy Lin, Lin. Yeah. and yeah. the kid was young, and it literally was like, I have no idea that that that, that yeah. was a well, slur. Uh, Who's uh, now, uh, by the uh, way, joined uh, the priesthood, and he's like a monk. Jesus. It was a great Washington Post follow up. At this is that point. right? Yeah, it's good. No, I don't forget. He seems like a very nice, totally relevant. But anyway, but I feel like amazing. You know, yeah, you're right. Back, back, back to, to the program. Yeah, yeah. You're right. They yeah. should have known Brett yeah. every yeah. day would have been after Harry. Sorry, Harry. The, the, the coded people who want to enforce the boundaries of language are the worst, but shortly thereafter them are the people who just want to find every example of someone finding the wrong boundary and being like, that's the only threat. Like, bottom line, you have to treat people like with respect and decency. And, and this woman, Ford, who did not ask to come out in this way, right? and really did ask to remain anonymous, and she is politicized, and that's the start of some of this process, she is saying very credible things. Kavanaugh is saying, none of this happened. That's an answerable thing. But for a bunch of reasons, because we're not in a court proceeding, because Democrats, you know, and, and we're doing a lot of performative stuff, like this is just a job interview, and no one's entitled to a seat on the Supreme Court. We didn't get to any sort of answer, and this just became a power play. And that, 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 that to me is brutal. And like the remaining confidence in the court, which did just make up who the president was going to be on partisan lines in 2000 and somehow got a pass for that in a decision where the five partisans who made Bush president were like, yeah, and by the way, this isn't binding and you can never mention it again in any of your other decisions. There's no legal reasoning here. That's in the fucking decision, right? Just put this guy who was one of the people gunning for Clinton. Um, you know, and saying saying some ridiculous stuff he didn't intend to become public. He was actually very upset that the porno stuff he wanted out there did become public. He's like, we need to nail him with the porn behind the scenes. This guy's going to be on the Supreme Court. I think given how this played out, he probably should have been, that if he was there before this accusation and there isn't any fair way to educate it, and again, I, I really believe Ford. I don't have any doubt about it. I don't think she's confused that this was another person. What she says seems utterly credible to me, saying this isn't so, and we're not in a position to get to any bottom there. Because this isn't a court of law? Because the FBI shouldn't have forever to do that when this well, comes out at the but, end of a process. But lying about the We're drinking and, and that stuff, that, that doesn't, I mean, just, 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 just asking if you think that that should keep I, him off the court. I, 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 wrote, I wrote a column saying this, and yeah. this is what the FBI should investigate. Yeah. Um, I just think that the standards in which this was getting investigated and the way this was coming out was really bad. And, and the reason this goes back to the Caldwell thing you know, sort of taking the, the conservative side of this is if you're saying there are no standards and this guy who we don't know did anything and has led a meritorious adult life by everything we know and does the, the coaches, the girls basketball and all yeah, that Ford, stuff. Ford talked about him being celebrated as a champion for women mm -hmm. um, and her expectation being that he would be he would get confirmed because right. the narrative wasn't that he is a total serial rapist. We're totally going to put him on the Supreme Court. It's he's a champion of women. He's only hiring all of these female <laughs> law clerks. He ought to get confirmed, and then it got more complicated. A pro Kavanaugh piece in the New York Times from a Yale law professor mm -hmm. who said this guy, I disagree with him on, on judicial philosophy. If, if he did totally a scary served, thing when he was yeah. 17 and put his hand over a woman's mouth with his friend in the room while drunk and laughing, but did not end up raping this woman or assaulting her, and she felt like that's what's going to happen as she ended up telling this story decades later starting in marriage therapy, right? Is that the sort of thing we want to be the standard going forward knowing that everyone's time in the barrel is coming, mm -hmm. as as uh, Roger Stone put it, I have my real doubts about that. And I think there were a lot of honest progressives who said, 
don't know what happened here, basically believe Ford. And like, if this guy has been a good guy his whole adult life, it's fine. We need to take down one of theirs to establish where the new standards are. And that, that to me, as, as a means of politics, worries me. And so if the question is, do you believe women? Or uh, uh, um, or must there be a process which, which strikes me as a fake and Manichaean choice and the one everyone's offering? Trump is offering in this op-ed. He's like, you know, it's me or chaos, you know, an American carnage that you are creating really terrible alternatives and that there is actually a common sense place where we're not talking about how colleges educate like, you know, their sexual assault claims and like weird stuff that happens with drunky people uh -huh, uh -huh. And, and, and that there is actually like a, a boring American medium where, where we all get how this stuff is supposed to work. And if every confirmation and I understand this is a big one and this really changes the balance of the court is weaponized. That's a huge problem. If we get to all these big things, by the way, gay marriage, which I, I am about, you know, 700% for, and New York did exactly the right way. <laughs> Only 700. It, it, it's, it's, it's just outrageous to me that if there's a contract state that involves like whether you can uh, take care of your children, uh, see your spouse when they're dying, inherit things, yeah. uh, that, that we're going to be like, you know, God gives you this, but not you this. Fuck you. That, that That's a Abominable to me, like really disgusting. Can I? Can I? But, but inventing, that's inventing over. That's, a, over. A, a, that's in the past. I, we're going to see with this court now. I I'm, I'm, I'm not really so. Don't. I'm not I, so I, sure I, about I, it. I, it's I, possible. I hope you're right, and I think you're right, but I do leave open the window of possibility. It's, it's, it's possible, always, but I, I, I'm, I'm, if, if it was, if it was, if it was, yeah. if it was granted by the court, it could be taken away by the court. Course, this is this is true. I'm I'm a little skeptical that we'll see an ideological retrenchment of that sort. You also have to see that even that five four court of those of those other four justices. That's exactly right. The conservative justices, I don't think, are going to go. Roberts, I don't see that. People have heart attacks. I want to things happen. I want to I want to push push you back. Well, I mean, Donald Trump hasn't really made the crusading against gay marriage a critical issue of his, but. Let me let That's me good, let me try to let me try to to push you a little bit on this, and I don't want to to unfurl a, a, a long discussion about the truthfulness of the Ford testimony versus the Kavanaugh testimony, because my own perspective is, I mean, they both seem pretty believable, and I don't know how to adjudicate this, and I pretty much stop there. If things are a bit more complicated, if it matters that she doesn't remember how she got home or whatever else, and one finds themselves unsure. Isn't it the case, because you mentioned this false choice, isn't it the case that if in a future nomination, one only need have some sort of allegation about past misconduct that doesn't really have to be proven, that doesn't have to be thoroughly investigated in order for it to derail your nominee? Um, and I'm not taking a, I'm not striking out a position here at all. I'm just saying that I don't know if that is necessarily a good thing. And do you think it is? I had this professor who sang Nazi youth songs all the time because he was like 14, I think, when the war ended. Uh -huh. And he was actually a course on propaganda. He was a brilliant guy. And these were like the songs of his, his youth and where he thought things were going. And he loved them. And he sang them sort of beautifully. He was a weird dude. Hmm. Number ways. Can I ask? Is he was he German? Yeah. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, weird if he's Canadian or something. <laughs> the songs of his youth. My favorite propaganda thing involved like this this kid who's sort of orphaned and his dad's beating his mom and they're all shitty people and he needs a surrogate family and the communists are like here you know do you want to have do you want to drink this awesome wine do you want to have sex with this beautiful girl do you want to live like a wonderful and dissolute life and then the Nazis are like do you want to go on like long and arduous marches while singing this song? <laughs> he's like this is the life for me and I'm like this kid. There's something wrong here. <laughs> you had me drinking. There was a connection here. Yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can cut this out. We no, don't. this is great. Oh, okay. uh, no, 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 but, 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 but 
so 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 I think that there's going to be at some point because the tech companies are evil and because our government is evil and people with power and information just, just are you know I believe in human nature so I don't I don't trust them right that there's going to be like a whole weird lost generation of people who things they thought they were doing in relative privacy on their email accounts um, uh, uh, looking at the internet and and like I don't know like midget dolphin uh, pornography yeah. or whatnot <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, they're going to be cut off from public life, uh, some of whom were vaguely aware of this at the time, a lot of whom weren't, that it's weird that there were breadcrumbs people weren't conscious of leaving at the time or information you didn't think you could backtrack to the same way Google could take these totally anonymous data sets right now. They really are anonymous, but there's so many crumbs in there. They're like, this person did, is, did this thing and look for this stuff, you know, and, and probably has a crush on their second cousin mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, it, it's a wild and interesting world, and I think there are going to be people who are frozen out of it because we're constantly going to be re-educating these standards. The, the evidence and the ability to go back and look at old stuff, you know, with, with our internet sleuthing and so on, is going to be super powerful, and that a lot of this has been weaponized. I, I also think that the situation with Dr. Ford could well have played out differently if there weren't a bunch of more dubious in my view, allegations that do not start me at a point of I, I just believe women and anything that gets claimed or reported in The New Yorker, you know, or that this lawyer says, um, that really put her forward in, in a miserably unfair circumstance. I think that's right. I mean, I, I don't think people I, I, I wonder if there up. is if we should establish some sort of date um, or date of birth at which you get some sort of sort of special dispensation for having. Some um, kinds say, of say, kinds. yeah said things in the past that you didn't yeah. expect we were going to come back to to haunt you. I mean, if you think of it this way, there's you write a, a, a girl a love letter when you're 15 in 1984 and have no intention of 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 trying to get on the Supreme Court. How old and, were you in 1984? Uh, <laughs> I was 32. Um, I was I was I was writing love letters to to 15 year old girls. Uh, that's a long story. It's a different time. But you know, even even if you're not. Thinking that you're going to try to some ascend to some high office, it only takes somebody to scan it and put it on on Facebook, and it has some funny thing and some pathetic beseeching thing that you've said when you're 15. For oh, it to go viral, a temper, a, a, yeah. a temper on an adolescent man or you boy, know, is, But but the question that I ask is like a real boring practical one. But it's not, it's not that boring because you think about it, and no one can come up with any answers. Like it is what happens to these people. The idea that Brett Kavanaugh was at a job interview we've talked about uh, ad infinitum on this mm. show, and I think we all agreed at the time that it's unbelievably stupid thing to say because mm-hmm. it's not just the job interview, right? Mm-hmm. Had he not gotten to the court, what would Brett Kavanaugh do? He's not allowed, he's not welcome back at Harvard. He is, uh, well, the USA also, when they're not publishing Trump, we're publishing editorials saying he shouldn't coach girls basketball anymore. If he's not allowed at Harvard, I don't know if there's a lot of law schools that are going to love him and, 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 you know, ask him to join the faculty. I just wonder what it is. I mean, you can do if he'd probably be fine in the sense that, you know, Fox might hire him. They've hired fucking Mark Furman. You know, I mean, there's probably, you know, a second life for a lot of these people within the conservative media circles. But what about those people? They've hired a lot of dodgy characters. Yeah, a lot of dodgy characters. It would have had to have been a lifetime appointment on the second most powerful circuit in the United States of America, the poor bastard. 
Well, uh, 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 like you seriously, honestly, Harry Siegel, you seriously don't feel bad for somebody if they were wrongly accused of something. I know you. I, I, hold on, hold on. I know you believe. I know you believe that they were based on zero evidence because you had a feeling watching somebody. You think that that he's a, a rapist. Uh -oh. Fine, that is fine. But I'm just saying is that. It, it is it, the, the what this does to people's lives, and I am not talking about him because I don't know what happened in his sure. situation. There is no, no evidence, idea. zero evidence. I mean, you can. It's you all know, the feels. It's all the feels. That's it. I don't know, and so I don't even. I don't even want to get into it. But it's like, uh, you know, you see it with the, the kid at, at Columbia and 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 the mattress girl. The mattress girl. Where they, there's a process at Columbia, and they. They said, okay, you, you didn't do it, whatever, I didn't find you guilty. And the guys, if you Google his name, he's a rapist at Columbia. These it. yeah. things stick like napalm, and one must be careful about them. And like, you know, well, I don't care, he's gonna have a decent job. It's like, oh, you know, the, the kid got into Harvard, the kid is gonna work for Goldman Sachs. Yeah, so you Google him, and it says he's a fascist rapist that murders babies, but you know, those are the breaks? No. No, that's not okay. There, there's somebody I, I reasonably aggressively, and I think within appropriate channels, pursued to try to have sex with as a young man oh, in dear. college. Oh, boy. And <laughs> nothing happened here. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was like, I, I, I like you, but I don't want to. Uh -huh. It was complicated, and things just sort of got left there. So that's the end of that story. But she was really obsessed with getting poisoned. She was beautiful and interesting, and, and you know, people think about mortality, and her mortality concern was poison. It was like a very Are we talking about Kendra? Thing. Sarah, Sarah, my wife, if you're listening, <laughs> do not, do not. I what I'm saying is, someone, someone's better yeah. on TV right yeah. now. She, yeah. she, she, was, she yeah. was locked in on that. She, yeah. she, she had some, some, some issues with, like, food and body and these sorts of things, and they, they sort of culminated in that. So I hear you right now and be like, this thing ruins people's lives. Sure. People's lives get ruined every day and, like, Profound and non-political ways, and the reputations get screwed up unfairly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Um, uh, bricks drop on their head, as uh, you know, Chandler observed, um, and they have heart attacks, and like their legs stop working, and like every, everything is cool, and then you know okay, they're bad, fine, but their kids die. Okay. Bad things happen. Right. So so the look at this one coded set of bad things and how this reputationally follows people. I don't think that's wrong. Um, I think. And I don't think, more than wrong, I don't think it's ever right when people unfairly have their reputations taken away and, and are deprived of, of a good and fair process. In any process you have, somebody is going to get fucked. Someone's going to be unfairly convicted. Um, if you have any justice system at all, I think that's given. It's not going to be exactly right every time with what the rules are, how they're applied. Um, somebody is going to have their reputation damaged. And the question is, are you fairly protecting most people and trying to do this honestly, which I don't think our colleges are, but I do think that sometimes this becomes like an isolated concern, like, like, like just worrying about poison. And, and, you know, the kicker is, I don't know if, hopefully she's still alive, but like, like she'll probably get run over by a car. I haven't thought about poison for 30 years. You're, 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 you're too smart, Harry Siegel, to make um, such a silly argument. And it, just because bad things happen to bad people and things can possibly fall on your head doesn't mean we shouldn't protect against really stupid things happening to people and destroying their reputations based on absolutely nothing. And I see this way, way, way too much, right? And it's, I don't think it's an isolated thing at universities. I know we probably agree on this, that how... 
how this kind of stuff shakes out at universities. But I think that now, I mean, John Ronson's book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed, is a book that resonates with people and was a, was a bestseller because you realize how easy it is to unleash this beast now and destroy people's reputations and lives. It happens quickly. It happens by the end of the day. I mean, it's that, that, that book, of course, has a woman that worked in your building. It didn't work for you, but uh, uh, right upstairs at mm -hmm. IAC, this uh, woman who... Uh, uh, Justine Sacco. Justine Sacco, who tweet. Tweet, tweet, and, and John uh, defends her, actually, and says it was it was a... Headed to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. Yeah, yeah, and just kidding, I'm white. And, and, and John makes a very convincing case, actually, that she was being sort of satirical about the fact that Obviously. nobody, nobody yeah. gives a shit about she this anymore. She had roots in South Africa She's, as well. Yeah, South African roots. But the thing is that That's the hashtag on that... No, but it is. It, it, no, but the, the hashtag on, 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 on that was, has Justine landed? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. her life was over before she could get an internet connection. She, had, she, no she we were, had no idea. She had no idea. how we were, fast it happens. Let me finish. Yeah. This is how, that's how fast it happens. And the fact that now, like, mob justice can, can destroy your life within 30 minutes, and you're never, ever going to recover. Justine Sacco had 200 followers on Twitter. It took some fucking loser at Gawker to pull it out of nowhere and ruin her life. It took her eight years to get it back, and her reputation is permanently tarnished, though you Google her, it's not a, a, a sort of, oh, look what happened to Justine Sacco, the first thing that comes up. And you can't just say, well, you know, shit happens, and what are you going to do? You don't do that. That's what you don't do. There isn't if, a you, and of course, you know, sure there if, is. if you have some popular and viral yeah. system, you're going to have things that are, are, as was the case prior, that, that, that are blown wildly out of proportion. And mm -hmm. she's not a typical example. She's the example people write books about because it really sucks because she was on a flight and, and there wasn't Wi-Fi on flights at that point where she was disconnected. So there was this sort of incredible lag as this spread and that was exciting and that was all new. And it's terrible, right? Some of the reputational stuff that happens to people is, is, is terrible, but – there's not that much of it. It's not that new. Honestly, I've been writing in my boring ass way, which is purposeful, but about really hot button issues for 20 years and, and over different technologies. And like, no, you know, they haven't come with the with the pitchforks for me. And if they do, honestly, at the other end of that, I'll be fine. There'll be people who employ me. There'll be people who are sympathetic, um, even if that's not the dominant public narrative at the time. And let me, like, let me, let me I'm going to ask you a question. Here. I'm going to interrupt you. And I'm going to wind this up. Yeah, but yeah. You got to you, 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 run? Uh, I do. Uh, let, let me just ask you this one, one, one final thing. You say you've done this for a number of years. They've never come with the pitchforks for you. Let me ask you, in 2006, you were the editor of the New York Press, and you mm. were going to publish the Muhammad cartoons. You were fired for it because <laughs> uh, you walked out. Had that happened in 2018, that Harry Siegel at the Daily Beast Ooh. wanted to publish Muhammad cartoons, they'd come for you. You would be an Islamophobe, you'd be a racist, and you'd also probably be a target for someone who is publishing um, uh, pictures of Muhammad. So I think that the times have changed, and I think your behavior has changed because of it. Some people's behavior don't, doesn't change because they're not really aware of it, and they get caught up in the hungry maw of, of, of this sort of, you know, destroy people's reputation politics that we have in 2018. There was all this fear and bullshit, but a couple papers, one of them by accident, I won't name it because it's a paper I'm very fond of, published the cartoon. <laughs> yes, it was a straight action. I know what you're, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. And, and, and like six dudes came and like protested outside for an hour with signs and like 10 camera crews followed them around and, and things were fine. And, and lots of, of, of bosses and lawyers and CEOs were cowardly about that in my view. Subsequent events have argued that maybe they, they were right. 
um, to be cowardly. I, I would disagree. And I went on TV. But 2006, right? Yeah. That's a difference. Yeah. And, 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 and so reputationally, this was probably good for, for me and my crew at New York Press. Like we all were like, we're going on TV to talk about the issue or why we quit. So we go on to talk about why we quit. I was on with Tucker Carlson in, in an earlier iteration. Right? MSNBC show. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then I couldn't get a job. And it's like, how do we know you won't just quit? And it sucked. And I had to work for Tom Swazi, who you could hear on my podcast, <laughs> FAQNYC, um, in his run against Elliot Spitzer, right, who, who I loathe for other reasons. And that was cool. <laughs> but I couldn't get a job in, in, in the thing I thought was my life. And what I've come back to since, because everyone said, how do we know you won't just quit? I'm like, well, it's complicated. My bosses are mobsters. You know, I don't know if the principal would have held otherwise. We had all this new information blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I was washed out of the thing I wanted to do because of how this played out and because I took some sort of somewhat principled stand with, with the people I was working with. And you know what? Like, it was fine, really. And life went on. If I went into the same thing now and we're in a different outrage era and people just piled on and said, you know, you, 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 uh, you're a hater and the SPLC put me on, on, on a list and, and, and Twitter jumped on and, and all the dread things happened, I would very likely be fine. Um, I might work in a different field. Um, I might double down. I might find new allies and, and play for a team, which I've scrupulously avoided doing. I've cost myself like a lot of money and standing in, in the course of my career that I've thought about. I, I, I don't really need, but that's like how the game is played. I, I'll well, say one final thing. I know we have to go. I just, I really want to add one, one, one final thing on this is that, is that the difference is rather large now, the political difference between 2006 and, 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 and let's say 2015, not 2018, for a specific reason, is that, you know, no one cared and no one knew, and the, the word Islamophobia wasn't a thing in 2006 the way it was in 2015. It's vastly different, right? And in 2015, you have cartoonists who drew cartoons of Muhammad in a very sort of banal way, I would say, uh, murdered and people in this city and writers organizations attacking them. So that is a hugely different thing from 2006 to, to, to 2015. And the final thing I'll say about this is, and I, I think I, I get your point about what would happen to you today. You said maybe you'd have to go play for a team, maybe you'd have to go for, for a different uh, profession. Isn't it awful that if you were to say, I want to defend in an I'm Spartacus way the publication of blasphemous cartoons, you might have to find a new profession? That's not good, Harry. We don't want that kind of society, and we don't want that kind of media culture in which we don't you know, line up foursquare behind our fellow people in media and say, we can offend whoever we want, and that's our job. So I guess we're done, right? <laughs> Harry, last word? I, I, the people who said that was punching down after murders oh, yeah. were were sickening, yeah. and that that in time and culmination can be like a real threat to our our discourse and our decency. I think and who we are as a society. I just as with poison, I don't think it's the only threat or the only point. But that oh, was no, disgusting. I don't, think so either. I don't think so either. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Harry, thank you for thank you, being here. Appreciate it, man. I, I know you got to run, so we're gonna we're gonna let you go. My bosses, if you're listening, it is 8.55, not 9.33. <laughs> I'm on schedule. Hey, who's, who's your boss? Uh, this is my bosses. Uh, shout out to the uh, Daily Beast, uh, yeah. the Daily News, FAQ NYC. Are you still doing a Daily News column? Yeah. Harry oh. is everywhere. <laughs> Siegel, I didn't know you were still doing the Daily News thing. I thought you were done with that. Because you used to, and, and to clarify, you used to work there. Yeah. You were in the newsroom at the Daily News, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And you're now in the newsroom at the Daily Beast. Back. Yes. They've back. had a Siegel continually for seven years. Uh, yes, your brother yeah. was. Uh, when it, I left. And then yeah. he and left and I came back. And let's, pro let's pr promote your brother, Jake Siegel. So what's he doing now? He's been on the show. 
Jacob's a, a two-time guest. I, uh, he, yeah. he's, he was doing a lot of work uh, covering the alt-right and various factions. Oh, he was uh, writing for something with tablet. Yeah. He wrote yeah. some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he's now editing a tablet and yeah. uh, li- living the life. All so right. you, you got around that. I do. Okay. Thank All you right. guys so much. All right. Thank yeah. you, Noah and Kajia, again, because the wine was great. Word. Word. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse.